Welcome to Lectionary Call-In for Tuesday, June 28th of 2022. We're two laypersons, a pastor and an academician, gather for about 45 minutes each week to discuss the Gospel Lectionary for the coming Sunday. This Sunday is July 3rd. Each Tuesday we call in from wherever we may be at 6.30 a.m. Eastern Time in Charles Willard in Minnesota at 5.30 a.m. Central Time. Our little team is working to be faithful to Lectionary Year C, puts us in the Gospel of Luke on Sunday. We hope this discussion will provide areas of focus and reflection. Here's how it works. We develop perspectives independently after the lead-off person shares informative questions. And then in this virtual discussion room, we share, encourage, and challenge each other. And here are the folks joining us in today's discussion. Sarah Mickelson from Tampa. Charles Willard, Minnesota. Bill Hall, St. Petersburg, Florida. And I'm Don Upton, and I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. Hello, everybody. The lectionary passage for today is Luke 10, 1 through 11, and verses 16 and 20. And I'll be reading from a new Revised Standard Version. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I'm sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide. For the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Wherever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into the streets and say, even the dust of your own town clings to our feet. We wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. Whoever listens to you listens to me, and whoever rejects you rejects me, and whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name even the demons submit to us. And he said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and all over the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this. Spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And that's the word of the Lord. Uh, there, I'm going to go back, look at two verses that uh, I've used to uh, set up the three questions. The first is the, uh, uh, chapter 10, 1. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others. So emphasis on appointed. Verse 4, carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. And then in verse 16, whoever listens to you listens to me, and whoever rejects you rejects me, and whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. So those are the three verses that are the focus of our questions that we're raising today. And uh, Sarah, this first question is coming at you, if that's okay. And uh, it's about the word appointing. It can be translated in, in different ways. This translation has appointing. And I'm wondering, for all of us, what is the nature of Jesus pointing the others and sending them out. 
What does this tell us about the Christ, the Son of Man, and Jesus as a leader? What does this tell us about the appointees and their relationship with Jesus? And I just made a note that it doesn't say Jesus had an idea or suggested, said, why don't you spend some time doing this, or explored an idea. It says appointed. What are your thoughts on this, Sarah? There seems to be some intentionality. Um, And for me, that felt good. It felt really valuable. Um, and I, I, you know, I'm thinking about when I'm facilitating a particular conversation, um, and I know the the group of people I'm working with. It helps me to go. You know a little bit about this, so and so. Tell me more about that, and it allows me to bring forward a skill set that may or may not be apparent to everybody. Um, So the word appointing seems to be to select to, with intentionality, a person who needs to be brought forward and lifted up. And so that, for me, is kind of insightful um, in that Jesus wants us to work with those skill sets that we might need to um, develop. So with that being said, I also think Jesus is teaching. Um, He's teaching the whole group. uh, First, that they need to try and they need to learn by trying and that in that trying, they will find what's possible, what's effective and what's helpful. And it's in that same trying that a person would build understanding and patience and confidence about the process. And so I see Jesus using this particular activity or moment to do two things, to teach what's possible, to teach how to manage rejection, and also to uh, plan for succession. I think Jesus is starting the conversation about, in his planning of what the future church is going to need, he's building those skills into these people now. For the next, you know, he's still, as somebody said, nine chapters away from Jerusalem. And uh, I thought that was really interesting that he's already starting to see the the lay of the land and the people and the needs of those who's who are going to be in the future, he's starting to build the skill sets for the leaders that are going to come and and bring the word further. Um, And I like that Jesus doesn't leave us unequipped. Um, So I like the learning by doing. I like the awareness of what's a possibility and that he's not going to leave us unequipped. Those are my thoughts. Thank you. Charles Willer, how about you? Any thoughts on the uh, term appointed, appointment? Well, it's more of what's described uh, after after that happens and what happens. And what, I'm still, I don't have a clear picture uh, as I would like of what actually, how this actually happened, how long this process that we read about from chapter, I mean, from verse, in chapter 10 from verse 1 through verse down here, 12, and then skip over to 16. Um, Are we talking about 
this must take days to unroll as it goes forth here. I, I don't get any sense of that in the, in the text itself. It's just that this is what they're to do, and how do they report back? They don't have telephones. They don't have cell phones. They don't have uh, – they, they just – they go out. I, I just um, – it's, it's a – if I start asking little tiny questions of of uh, how something like this would actually work in practice, I don't I don't really get a good picture, which troubles me. I like the tiny questions, though. I think that would be a great uh, series of questions for a discussion group. I mean, I, I'm where you are, but boy. Uh, even uncover what does the historic history of the villages in the area look like? How big are they? How long does it take to get there? What is it? To, what is it to fan out through those areas? Really, it is interesting. Um, Bill Hall, what about you? What do you think about the term point? Uh, some thoughts that have come to Bill, Zoom. Sorry. <laughs> uh, some thoughts have come to me. Oh. Oops. Uh, am I okay? What are your thoughts? Okay. I was getting a strange noise here. Uh, a couple of thoughts. The message that they are to carry is important. But to me, Don, this passage says how you carry the message is a message if I may put it that way, um, they are, we, we know the details there. I'm using today's language. They are to travel lightly. They are to be satisfied with whatever accommodations are uh, offered to them. Um, the, this word doesn't appear in the passage, but a modern term would be they are to be hospitable and to receive hospitality uh, they are to uh, to be examples of how Jesus lived, and one of those is to be a risk taker. While again, that term doesn't apply here; it's a more modern term. There are risks involved in trusting other people, presumably many of whom, or maybe all of whom, are strangers. You know, you go somewhere, and you know, talking about Charles' tiny question, how do the disciples decide which door to knock on? How do they know where to go? Uh, none of that is told, which to me adds to the risk that they're taking. And when they come back, interestingly, Don, what they report are how they were affected. They don't talk about the failures. Now, Jesus gives some instructions about that, how to deal with, with rejection, but that's not the focus. So what Jesus is advocating for his followers mirrors how Jesus lived and served. And uh, another characteristic that I discern, Don, again, using modern-day terminology and concepts, Jesus wants them to be skilled at setting boundaries. By boundaries, I mean how much impact am I going to allow a person's rejection of me to have? Um, and if I'm controlled 
by the need to be liked, then I'm not equipped uh, to live and serve as Jesus did. Now, that doesn't mean uh, it's okay to be offensive or insensitive, but there's a kind of freedom here that if I'm rejected, I move move on. I'm sure there's more here, but that's what occurs to me at the moment, Don. Thank you. Thank you. And and you were picking up, Bill, on some of the attributes of going out and the boundaries. And so, you know, the next question I have for all of you is is related to the behavior. So, Bill, I just want to give you a heads up when I'm done coming at you, that first question. I want to go back to – I was looking at Mark Davis's uh, translation of – appointing, uh, you know, what, what that word uh, uh, can mean. And he said, uh, proclaim anyone as elected to office announces appointed a king uh, to lift up anything on high and exhibit it for all to behold. And I wanted to use that as an example because I, I think in business and uh, teamwork, in uh, furthering an agenda, uh, the nature of the appointment matters to the success. And, and I think there's an, such intention in saying it's appointed. Maybe, Bill, it's, they come back and it's not a debrief on where the failures were. It was, it was, this is reported to be very successful, and I think it might be tied to the fact that they were appointed and not asked. They were appointed and not suggested. They were appointed and not encouraged that they had specific roles. And I don't know about you, you put 70 people in a room. Uh, you're going to get a range of competencies and skills that are all over the place. Uh, you know, I, for those of you who are listening in who supervise small groups of people, do you have an expectation they're all going to succeed in the same way and behave in the same way? No. Are human beings the same like that? No. Are the people that Jesus ministers to the same? Clearly not. I mean, my gosh, this is the book of Luke. Look at that. But here they are coming back with a kind of uniformity uh, of success. I think it might go back to uh, the nature of, of the appointment. So for a, a class or if you're leading a discussion group, that might be an interesting way to look at it. I also would ask, you think about when have you incur- encountered an advanced team, an advanced team? Now, in 21st century, that word used a lot. Uh, politics, religion, products, sales, advanced teams. Go out, go out before whatever it is. Go out before a widget. Go out before a faith. There they are. Uh, are advanced teams accessible, uh, successful? Uh, they're different. Advanced teams can be annoying, and I'm not. I'm not. I'm not pointing at anything. I could say a sales team. They can be very annoying in their uniformity. This. What makes this so different? Because it does matter, and uh, and I think the appointment of seventy uh, gives a sense of the scale of this too. That's a lot of people. Now, think about a room full of 70 people. That is, that is a lot of people. And if they go to villages, does is is a village have 50 people, 200, 1,000? If each person touched 1,000 people, especially if there's kind of an open area or a place where they can reach many people within these villages, 70 times 1,000? And you think about the populations at that time? This is a lot of people touching a lot of people, which says to me, Humans matter in this ministry. 
more than I thought before. And that 70s, if I put them in a room, there they are. Well, Bill, this next question is uh, coming at you. And uh, it is, uh, I think you set the stage for it. It's, uh, you know, what do you make of the verse four protocol? And I'm going to read that again. Protocol is carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. What do you make of this, Bill? Um, I think it clearly challenges our scarcity mentality. Uh, when you're planning for something, you know, what do you need? Uh, my wife and I recently made a trip to Germany and separately, uh, and Belgium and then separately uh, a trip here, and we gave a lot of thought to what we would take and what we would need. Um, and what I take from this is that God and Jesus is saying what's most important is companionship with others. Those going with you will also not be caring much, and you will share together in the trusting God to um, provide for you. And it, it focuses, again, while it doesn't use this word, the focus is hospitality. If you're not carrying everything you need, then you do depend on others to be sensitive and to be responsive. And it, it helps Jesus's command to stay the course, whether you're received or whether you're rejected. And Don, uh, while you, this isn't explicitly in your question, Jesus tells them what to take. I'm struck by what he didn't tell them to take. He didn't make sure they had the right theology. He didn't say, You're, you got to be based in a building. He didn't check out their form of church government. And he made no distinction, again, using our terminology, between clergy and lay. <laughs> you, you think about it, much has been made of the motley crew of the first 12. And we've all heard some of those descriptions of how different and how in the world did that group work together? i got to believe, Don, that that same diversity was in this other 70. <laughs> there were the highs and lows, the good and the bad, the strengths and weaknesses. Um, I, I, there is in this an assurance that by God's equipping, every believer is capable of witnessing and ministering. Um, and in the lectionary passages for this week, the um, epistle is from Galatians 5, where it says, bear one another's burdens, and this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Um, bear one another's burdens. Um, and while it's not explicitly in your question, at least twice in this passage is the importance of sharing meals with people. I find that, I mean, we could almost spend uh, a whole session on the, the meaning of the centrality of meals. Thank you. Sarah, what, what do you make of this uh, protocol? Arrive willing to be dependent. I'm not good at that. 
arrive willing to be unguarded and that self-sufficiency is not what you want to be here. Prepared to be vulnerable, to be in discomfort, to be in need, and being accepting of help. All of those things are really difficult for some of us. Um, but I hear that in this instruction. Um, be dependent on the good nature of others who are willing to provide. And using that as an indication for the readiness of their uh, of them to hear the message God and the kingdom are close at hand. Um, I also made a note, you must have peace before you can offer it to others. I wondered about that. Um, and so the sense of offering up peace and receiving it back if it's not safe, or offering up peace and having it rest on the people you're visiting, um, I'm thinking about what does that look like? How does that feel? And, and when have you felt that in that sense of instruction? And, and when you know you're safe and you've given the, you know, the peace of Christ be with you and the peace, of, the Lord, the peace of, of God be with you, and they respond with, and also with you, um, you know, I, I find that interesting of, of when you feel that peace. So I, I'm, I'm thinking about... Um, the sense of being uncomfortable and using that as an entry point. Thank you. Um, coming to you, Charles, in a second, I just wanted to make a few observations. What First, again, I'm going to go back to Mark Davis. His, uh, some of the simple translations were very helpful to me this week. And when he talked about the greeting on the road, uh, he described... The, gre the greeting that uh, Christ is talking about is being elaborate. That don't do the elaborate, complicated greeting. That, and and so I'll take it from there. My interpret my interpretation is because it's structured and it is aloof. It is not knowing. It is it creates distance. And the elaborate greeting is a problem. Uh, Mark Davis says you say hi. Uh, and I, I, I hadn't jumped out at me like that before. So I think there is a caution here about aloof and arm's length behavior. Even if you're living in the village for a few days, even if you're in the same house for a few days, it's still possible to be aloof and to stand away. And I, if for those of you listening in and travel, or you out and visit families, or let's say you're on a retreat, right? I don't know about you, I sometimes retreat within the retreat. I have to get away. I need time. I need my place. This isn't allowed here at all. I, how, I, I do retreat within retreats, within retreats. Where's my space? I need to pull back. I need to recover. And there is something here that is important. Maybe it's like you know, the old saying that God is in the details. Well, so are households and villages. And the details. And if you don't stick with it, and whatever the trials and challenges and petty things of the day, you're not going to understand. And you're not going to know them, and they're not going to know you. Uh, so there's no retreat in, in these positions. You stay. You're not going to have uh, my bed lumpy at that house. I'm not going to have. I'm going to have an unlumpy bed at this other place because I need to get away. And I think there's some simple cautions here and some happy thoughts about 
the details of the village and the details of the family. Be careful. You might miss it. And, you know, travel, you know, the two kinds of travelers, those that actually go and stay and live and those that drop by and, and move on. And this is a caution to do the other thing. So I, I especially appreciated the Davis translation, which points out not an elaborate reading, which leads to aloofness, I think. And then the other is uh, within the village itself, got to stick around. Uh, how about you, Charles? What do you think about the, uh, the protocols that Christ uh, gives 70? It's almost impossible to imagine. I mean, I say that because I'm looking at what is set out here and, uh, and imagining how that might be, how that might work out around here, for example. And I just, it's, it's an impossible, it's an impossible process. So I'm, I'm simply, I, I apologize for my, my lack of comment at this point because I just, I can't imagine how, how this would work. It's, I mean, it's not as though there's a, there's a, there's a practice protocol for managing to do something like this. Uh, maybe there was at that time, but certainly it's not one that's available to me. And the disciples most often show how hard it is to follow Jesus' instructions. And here Jesus is giving basically the same set of instructions to 15 groups of, uh, well, no, I'm sorry, 30. 35 groups of people, and they're going out. Uh, given the way we've seen how the disciples reacted in other ways, it's impossible. It's, it's really hard to believe that they all came back really rejoicing because things had totally worked out so well. I don't know, I just, I'm stuck. Well, thanks. Uh, me too. And, uh, you know, I, I like running the numbers on this. I, I can't get to, you know, the how and why is it so successful. But let's say the average is 1,000 people per, so 70,000 people in this particular gospel. It gives me a better sense of what what the news of the cross did. You know, that, that it, let's say it's 70,000 or, or 70 times 2, 140,000. As news of the cross moves out, down the road after, after he gets to Jerusalem, there there is a, a a ready group, not just gossip, not just news of the day, but these these are folks who are going to listen with different ears, and and I think the news of the cross uh, spreads uh, more rapidly and with more intensity than I would have imagined uh, before this year's uh, reading. Uh, let me go back now to um, the, the last question, and uh, it's uh, a struggle I've had on verse 16. And I and my question, I, I call it the solid nexus, the you and me nexus in verse 16. And, Bill, this is going to come to you. What do we make of the connection between the acts and the communications of the 70 and Jesus from a 21st century perspective. And I'm going to read that verse again just to see the nexus. Whoever listens to you listens to me. And whoever rejects you rejects me. And whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. 
uh, I think nexus is the right word. Um, and Bill, when I read this, sometimes it makes me uncomfortable a little bit. Uh, what, what are your thoughts about that nexus? I'm glad you included this, Don. Uh, two kinds of responses. Uh, on a positive side, it to me is a powerful picture of the depth of the presence and intimacy between God and humans. Jesus, we believe, is both divine and human. The Word become flesh. So this this verse to me stresses that there's that kind of closeness. Uh, the, the disciples are assured that Jesus is with them, within them, working through them to bring God's kingdom on earth. Um, and um, it, to me, is a, a reminder of the future. These 70 or some texts have 72, whatever number you want to go with, uh, this is expanding beyond the 12, but we know that the story continues in the book of Acts and other books remind us that yet others are equipped and sent and, and ministered. It's a powerful reminder that they're not alone. For one, on a human level, they're, out, they're going out in pairs, two by two, and that God is with them and that they will be vulnerable. Uh, verse 3 says, go on your way, see I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. And again, uh, you're traveling lightly, but God is with you. And then the offer of blessing wherever you go, this whole sense of, um, of being at ease with whatever is your um whatever resources that you have. Now, the other side of the coin, you noted when you read it that you left out a section, verses 13 through uh, 15, uh, which is difficult. Um, let me read it for us. What you didn't read was, I tell you on that, he's talking about if you're rejected. It will be more tolerable for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. Uh, for if the deeds of power done to you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago. Uh, but if the judgment, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon. Uh, you, Capernaum, will, will you be exalted in heaven? No, you will be brought down to Hades. I can understand leaving it out. That That is... Very difficult. In some ways, I'm surprised they left. They didn't leave out the verse you have us focus on on this question. Whoever his Jesus's summary, it seems to me, of what we left out is: if you if they listen to you, they listening to me. If they reject you, they reject me. Uh, Doctor Stan Saunders, a professor at Columbia Theological Seminary, raises a concern about this omission. He stresses that. There is redemption. Uh, there is forgiveness. There is grace. But a part of the message of Jesus was, if you want to use this word, a judgment. It matters what choices we make. We are being reminded in this nation 
of the impact of decision-making by leaders and how it has often unintended consequences. So judgment to me isn't about being self-righteous or arrogant. It's about recognizing uh, that there are consequences uh, for our, our choices. And the gospel is an announcement of forgiveness and redemption that leads us to repentance, accepting responsibility for our decision and choosing a new path for our lives that leads to a sharing of resources, engaging sacrificially in service to and with others. And therefore, I would say, and I'll end with this, Don, even judgment is redemptive. Thank you. Uh, I was, uh, I think when I uh, put the question out there, I said that uh, concerns or some fear in this, and I want to explain myself. It has to do with that nexus is so close. Uh, where Where is the Christ? You? You know, what is it to you and me to have that nexus so close? What kind of power is this human being wielding? What kind of authority? Who, you know, and it makes me, it may, I just want to say for the discussion, that make that part of it makes me uncomfortable. Where I get comfortable with it is that so much does depend on the people in the ministry. That, you know, it's the, the, the conquering Christ requires 70 to go on the field and another 70 and the 12 and we have to take care of each other. And so I'm today I, I'm leaning towards that family and my read on it today in terms of you and me being the same, the analogy I would use is the analogy that Jesus uses in his ministry and his healing, which is the family home and hearth. And where do I, where do I feel the happy authority without the fear is I would say, there are people I admire. Uh, some have passed, but their families are there. Um, and it could be their children or their nephews or their nieces. And there is an ethic that runs through that family. There is a care. There's an approach. There's a conversation that runs through, I would say, what I would view as a great family and uh, a daring, a, fear, a fearless family. And that I meet that person's daughter, that person's granddaughter grandson and you know and what what goes through my head would be take a minute because they're from that family which means it could be anything it could be technical prowess it could be logic it could be an ethic in terms of how they deal with problems discernment but it's a big thing isn't it to know that there's something running through that circle of friends that circle of family that's so strong you go she may be like her mother or like her grandmother or her grandfather or her uncle or her best friend. And I, I think that's a good analogy for what Jesus, since Jesus brings home in hearth, that that you and me may have a lot to do with life and growing and sharing all the things that the 70 are dealing with as well. So I hold up the analogy of the strength and the boldness of the family in terms of the you and the me being the same. How about you, Charles? What are your thoughts about this this nexus, you and me? I'm still puzzled about this whole section. I'm sorry. It's all right. Thank you, uh, Sarah. I think you get to you get to tie all all things together. 
you get to, you, to solve all puzzlements now. It's all up to you. Okay. <laughs> Not that that's a daunting idea. I think this is a faith-filled and faith-fueled idea to me. They are traveling in pairs and they're not alone. Interdependency on each other and on the people that they're going to meet who are going to provide for them. It's said that those who are hungry for things find the things they're looking for. Um, So I think they're going to find who is ready to hear and who will, with whom this message will resonate. And take root and thrive. Um, I also am puzzled or or I should say I'm touched by the notion that the harvest is here. Someone else has turned the soil, planted the seed, watered, weeded, and waited. And I get to walk into the field and pick blueberries or strawberries or whatever it is. Someone else has already done all that hard work, and it's hard work, and I just get to pick it. And it it makes me think about um, the bounty that's being presented to them, that they get to meet these people who are ready to hear the message. It makes me honor the people who pick vegetables and fruits on a regular basis, because that is hard work and you are vulnerable and you are at the mercy of whoever's field you're in. So I'm I'm thinking about how does that whole idea um, take root. I am the daughter of, of tenant farmers. I'm the granddaughter of tenant farmers. Let me say it that way. So in my history, picking fruits and vegetables Seasonally and moving to where the crop would come in is is kind of in my background. Um, if we were to talk about what families are used to and what families have as far as um, skill sets and um, gifts that they bring to the table that are uniquely theirs. So I'm thinking about this intersection between a harvest that needs to come in and the workers that need to go out and do the work. Um, I think that that's as interesting a nexus to me as the intertwining of Jesus and God and us working together. Um, So I'm I'm not sure I have any answers, but I'm marveling at this whole uh, intersection of need, bounty, people, um, and and those that can do the work, and those that are, are, are in need of the ministry. Thank you, Sarah. And we're out of time. We can go on uh, For those of you listening in, uh, it's good to have you. We are, I know I speak for all of the, this little team. We look forward to the Tuesday mornings when we do this. I hope you look forward to your next encounter, if it's lectionary or the scripture in any way. Uh, Palmasia Presbyterian Church is located at 3501 West San Jose Street. That's in Tampa, Florida. And for more information, you can go to palmacia.org. That's P-A-L-M-A-C-E-I-A.org. We commend that site to you for great sermons, uh, readings of Scripture, debate and disagreements on Scripture, 
prayers, opportunities to take communions, reflection, and, uh, and great, great music. So check that out. And you're always welcome, and we'll see you next time.